welcome to the third episode of Bag the Girls Pod. I'm Philippa Tettiet, and alongside me is a lady whose muscles are nearly as big as her mouth. It's Gemma Hallett. <laughs> and do not take your eyes off for her for a second because she will throw you into the bus. It's Lori Harry's. Oh, great intro, Phil. Thank you very much. No problem. In <laughs> Into this the bus episode, or under the bus? <laughs> yeah, a bit of both. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I've had a lot of comments yeah. on that one. So, in this episode, we have an exclusive interview with Larry Norkett, fresh from the win with Cardiff Demons. It was the Betfred Rugby League Super Final South Championship all of the rest. They won it. It was fantastic. And we've got an exclusive interview with her. We've also got some news about the World Cup qualifiers. Also got a little bit of news around the HSBC 7. So lots to look forward to in this pod. Enjoy. So each week we like to make sure that you're part of the conversation. It's really important that we get uh, everybody involved. So we encourage questions to come on in. So I'll head on over to Lori because I know that she's got one. Yeah, I picked one up from uh, Leslie. So I'll just read it as it's written. Right to you, here's my question. Why aren't more women coaching? Increasingly, we're seeing dad share childcare load. So any other reasons? Is it right that we keep expecting that men will continue putting in the days and evenings post-playing to do the coaching without assuming a proportion of the load ourselves in grow up, growing our half of the game? Not an urgent question, just keen for the Welsh perspective. Yes. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, I mean, I go down to quite a few of the... Um the like hub festivals where you get all the younger teams together. And I have to say, I, I definitely see more male coaches than I do female, which is a shame. Although actually I was with um, Carol James today and she was telling me about how it's the first, they've got their first game this weekend, a crook. She, she coaches them and she's got a little baby girl, beautiful little, little girl called Ella. And I was like, Oh, so, you know, who's having Ella? And she was like, Oh no, she's coming. I was like, oh, she just sits on the sideline. She was like, no, I've got one of those rucksack things. She's on my back. I coach. I just think that's amazing. I said, you've got to send us a photo of that because I just think that's fantastic. Talk about just cracking on. But yeah, the childcare issue, maybe, I don't know. Is it sad? Is it a bit 1960s to say the women stay at home with the kids and the guys go off and do the sport? I mean, surely times have changed. Yeah, I think times have changed, but I still think it is what's, what's happening more than more than not, isn't it? Like you've already mm. you are seeing well, young boys I see coaching more than anyone at the moment. And mm. it's something I want to put out to a slot then as the pod host, we've all done our bit yeah. of coaching, but fallen out of it effectively. So yeah, my reasons for it was that numbers didn't turn up to training and couldn't commit to games and whatever. So effectively mm. stopped yeah. them. So I mean I probably could have kept going if I wanted to do, but it did start to become a chore. So that's mm. my personal opinion. What what's it been like for you two? Well, I, I don't think there's an out and out answer for it, but what we we spoke to Hannah in episode one, and there's all these initiatives to get young volunteers involved. And I think just by pure lack of numbers on sports courses, it, it's naturally going to be more boys. And I think secondly to that, which compounds maybe the issue of having more male coaches, is that you know, it seems, seems to be that people, it's part of their journey, you play for X amount of years, then you go into coaching. 
And just by sheer, you know, volume of numbers, it is mainly men that play rugby in Wales. So mm. naturally you're going to have more men coaching. Um, yeah, rightly so, you know, we've all done a bit of coaching. I wasn't very good at it. I got sacked from Ponaclean. Um, <laughs> it's really difficult. <laughs> it's incredibly hard to go from a player at, and into a coaching position and not everyone is good at it you know mm-hmm. I, I got to work alongside Lisa for a little bit who we spoke to last week she's incredibly good at it I wasn't um um so I guess it's just a numbers game really yeah my perspective. I think, yeah I I found and I don't know whether you guys you found this as well and maybe this is a male female thing is you know we had the amazing opportunity to play for our countries but it was very much a juggling act alongside trying to have some kind of career you literally spend every waking moment playing rugby or doing rugby around your work and then when I stopped I must be honest a a big motivator for me was to have more time with my family and my friends so then when I did have the odd coaching opportunity you know it's twice a week it's the weekends away and I was like well a big reason I I finished my rugby career was to get that time back. Whereas maybe with guys, if they obviously were playing at that level, they're professional. So they have all their family time around theirs, you know, to a certain degree, obviously they, they still are going away a lot, but maybe that's an easier transition for them to be able to continue to, to stay in, in that kind of area. I'm not quite sure. Um, but that was my, my main reason. Uh, I, I wanted the time back, but yeah. I totally agree, Phil. Um, I played for 15 years and to get those weekends and evenings back, it felt yeah. incredible the first two years yeah. of, of retiring, didn't it? Just to have, yeah. like, how much time can you have back in a week? It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be able to go to a wedding was just the <gasps> yeah. best because so many of my friends, and I am gutted now because it's such a marker. You don't really think about it in your 20s, you know? Oh, sorry, I can't do that. I'm away with this, away with that. But now on reflection, and especially now as a, I am of a certain age where there are not as many weddings now. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Um, I really miss them and I'm really gutted that I missed out on those occasions. Don't get me wrong. You know, the old cliche wouldn't change it for the world, but it does. I think you have more time to reflect after your career about things that maybe you have missed out on. And I do really enjoy coaching and I still do voluntary um, like guest sessions, you know, every now and again, I did a campaign actually last six nations because I'm um, a cancer research Wales ambassador. So through the six nations, I offered free coaching sessions to clubs as long as they donated to like, I've got a just giving page uh, coaching for cancer. And we raised about two grand and that was cut short because of COVID. So, you know, I still want to do, elements of coaching I just can't commit in the way that you you, you obviously have to to a team yeah. Yeah. I think it will be the next progression though seeing women coaching more often because uh, mm. Davis uh, down with the Scala she's been team manager there for so many mm-hmm. 70 odd years she's been there so, forever <laughs> and, and with the Dragons before then so you know yeah. nice to see females in those roles as well you see over in the English Prem you've got a number of female coaches there it's, loads it's, yeah it will progress into the Welsh uh, leagues and that, but there's not much of a league for women to get involved with at the moment, isn't it? So we yeah. need to get that set up mm-hmm. for you know, casting interest by um, up and coming coaches, female coaches. Mm. I'm not sure if we answered the question there. I'm not sure if you answered uh, any question that comes on this pod, but we, we like to talk about it. Yeah, we gave yeah. our opinion. Okay, so one has come in through Twitter from Jane. Thank you very much, Jane. She says, loving the podcast, ladies. 
So I think Jane's a fan. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, question for this. The Autumn Internationals have been announced. They are basically <laughs> weeks away, but we don't have a coach. How do we expect the girls to compete and be ready? Oh. And cue Gemma Hallett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel this is very much a question for you. Well, it's just... You know, I could bang on about the WIU failing the girls or we could just go, well, it's nothing's going to change in our camp at the moment, is it? They, mm. They're training back together now, aren't they, Phil? Um, I know we were discussing this not so long ago. They're back, they're back in the barn. They're doing oh, yeah, it, sorry. their fitness, yes, they their conditioning yes. yeah. and the things like that. We know they're having some guest coaching. Laurie, I know you were telling me about that. Do you want to just elaborate for our listeners? Uh, so we've heard through the grapevine that current male players are um, taking on some coaching roles within the squad at the moment due to them progressing through their coaching levels and they're using... Do we want to just be transparent just to say who it is and what they're doing? <laughs> yeah, you can say. Right, so Reese Webb has rocked and <laughs> done some coaching with the women, right? And it's not because the Royal Youth, that's amazing, let's get Reese Webb in to do some specific coaching with the women. It's Reese Webb needs to pass his qualification. The WIU need to watch him, observe him. And the women happen to be there Let's get him to run that session. Let's tick a box. Yeah, the girls get a set. But there's no continuity, right? We can have as many guest sessions as we want from, you know, these names in Welsh rugby. Mm-hmm. But there's no mm-hmm. there's no consistency in the sessions then, right? So you well, can spin least, that any way you yeah. want. But the girls need a coach. That's a really nice opportunity for the scrum halves in the group. Oh, to amazing. Amazing, yeah. Respect, you know, quality play on all this. However, my concern with not having a coach at the moment is that effectively they're stuck with the same squad that they had in the Six Nations just gone. There's no one going out and seeing new talent or um, seeking new players who can offer something different. And as well, you can only train yourself to a certain level. So as, as, you know, as good as it is that they're back in camp now and they are doing some conditioning uh, because it was a massive factor coming out to the Six Nations that they didn't look very conditioned. But you can only take that responsibility so far yourself. You need someone pushing and getting you better, getting you to go beyond your limits. And that's how you're going to be the best of the best. How can we be an international tier one team without a head coach one year <laughs> from the World Cup? Like, why aren't people, oh, God, going crazy about this? Why is it so such complacency? And if this, I hate gender washing stuff, but if this was a men's game, there would be uproar. Uh, well, they would never be in this position, would they? And I think that's where the women's game has been failed. It's not even up as a vacancy. So it doesn't look like they're actively looking for someone. Well, they must be. They have to be. I just really hope it's not one of those interim someone moving sidewards just to cover it. Because... They've tried that before and it's not worked, but like, like we've alluded to this on, on previous pods. I think it's a, it could be a massive opportunity for someone. It really could, but the right person who knows the women's game and who knows Welsh women's rugby, that is vital. Could you suge- suggest someone, Phil? Could you just go out on a limb and just say a name? I wouldn't want to bring the attention to certain people, but I do think there are people in Wales, but I also do think that there are some good coaches in the English Prem, in the Allianz Prem that could potentially be swayed and brought over. I agree with you. I think there's so much 
so many coaches in the Allianz Prem that could be interested mm-hmm. in the position. And they've mm-hmm. had a good couple of years' experience under their belts as well now. Yeah. 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 So I do think there there are people out there. But yeah, we just have to wait and see on that one. But it's, it's not ideal. Did that answer the question? Yeah, I was going to say, Did I was we? actually on move then. Apologies. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Jane. Yeah. Jane, I'm not sure if we answered the question, but thank you so much for part of the conversation. No. Get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram. We always want to make you a part of the podcast. And if there's any questions you've got for our future guests, follow along on Instagram and Twitter. We'll let you know who's coming up. So, Phil, do you have um, a question for us? Well, actually, I'd step the questions this week because there's some good news that's come in. So I want to use my little spot for some of that. So World Cup qualifiers, there are still teams that need to qualify for the delayed World Cup. And that's finally been confirmed. So in September, we're going to see Scotland, Italy, Spain and Ireland battle it out for one place. That's one place from Europe, but the second highest finisher can still go through to another repertoire. So there is a chance we could see two of those teams, but we'll obviously certainly see one of them represented in the World Cup. It was Scotland, Italy, Spain, and Ireland. How grateful are we? Who are you saying is going through? Oh, gosh. All I can think about, how grateful are we that we qualified? That is tough. Yeah. So anyone who doesn't know, uh, we qualified due to our finish in the 2017 World Cup where we finished eighth, just beating Ireland. So Mm. that's how we are through to the next World Cup. But right now, I'm not sure we could be any of those teams, in all honesty. We were were lucky enough to get in the head of Scotland this year, weren't we? Yeah. I think Ireland and Scotland. Oh, I think Ireland and Italy. I think Italy. Do you? I do think Italy will come out on top of that. But then Spain I'm, are good, right? They're just unlucky they haven't had any consistency in terms of games, but they're a physical team. They're a very physical team, but I just think purely down to COVID, sadly, and you don't want that to be the determined factor, but mm. Spain and Italy have not had much rugby at all. Now, we all know what Argentina did to New Zealand in the men's game after having zero rugby. So there's the element of that doesn't matter and who turns up on the day, you never know. But if I was to edge it on purely game time, Scotland and Ireland have had more. So I'd edge them. So they're being played in September, you said, yeah? So yeah, it's streamed end of September, I presume via the World Rugby uh, website. But as soon as we get confirmation of a stream, we will let you guys know. In other news, HSBC World Series 7s. Uh, sadly, obviously, because this requires countries being involved from all over the world and tournaments take place all over the world, this has pretty much been a dead end since COVID broke out. However, off the back of the success of the 7s at the Olympics, they World Rugby have confirmed the series will be starting back up in Canada. There's going to be five legs for the men and two for the women. So not many, unfortunately, but in Canada, they are going to have a super four for the women. So this will consist of Great Britain, USA, Canada, and France. They'll be playing two legs in Canada. So two two weekends in Canada. Those teams will be battling battling it out and then their actual official two legs will be in Dubai. It was hoping to be Dubai, South Africa, which is the normal uh, cluster tournament. They put that together in December, but unfortunately with the things in South Africa in the way that they are, it's going to be two legs played in Dubai. But the reason I want to bring this out is because GB are going. Now, GB 
they only normally play it as a team leading up to an Olympics. They've never played together after an Olympics. However, we understand that funding for GB has been secured through to December. So for us Welshies, there is a chance we can see the fantastic Jasmine Joyce representing GB again on the sevens field, which is what we all love to see. So we'll keep, a, keep an ear out for the selection for Canada where GB will be playing in the World Sevens Series. Well, and talking to Jazz Joyce, Laurie's been in contact and we're hoping to have her on soon as a guest, right? Oh, woo. Yeah, it is something she is keen to come on and share her experience. Uh, it's just logistically cannot happen at the moment. Oh, is that um, what we're calling it? Logistically <laughs> can't happen. Yeah. yeah. So as soon as we sort uh, something out, she is more than happy to come on and just share what an amazing journey she's been on. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I actually saw her play today. It was the kickoff of the Allianz Premiership today. It is Saturday the 4th. And uh, Exeter took on Bristol. And with Bristol, we got quite a few Welshies in there. Jasmine Joyce was playing at fullback. Was playing at fullback, which is interesting, not normal position yet. Eleanor Snowsill, obviously, Kira Bevan, Elisa Butchers, Shuan Lily Crap, and Manon Jones, with also uh, Robin Locke and Megan Webb on the bench. So big Welsh contingency in that game. And do you want a spoiler? Do you want to know the result of that game? I mean, everyone in the uh, pod, everyone already knows by now, surely. Go for it. Surely. Do you want to? Yes, Alice. It was a narrow. Narrow win to Bristol, 38-21 over Exeter. Good game, you know, tries in both halves. Definition of narrow. We saw... Yeah, Phil. (laughs) What was... What? Narrow? That's a bit of a stunt. Well... (laughs) (laughs) to be fair the game was very tight into the last 10 Uh, so it felt a lot more narrow than it was I think there was only about four points in a half time but we got to see uh, implementation of the new laws so there was a time where Bristol carried the ball over the try line got held up Exeter got the ball but caveat to the law so they can now have the dropout from the goal line okay Mm. I didn't consider can they kick it straight out? I didn't think about that until Exeter did that. I was like, oh, what happens now? And And it is not the thing to do because Bristol just march all the way back down to five meters out from the try line. And then they had their attacking line out from that. So if you choose to take that drop out and kick it straight out, then you're pretty much gifting territory and possession back to uh, the opposition of which I, Pretty sure Bristol scored off that as well. So, was it a poor kick for for it to go out five meters down? It was. I think it was an ambitious kick. I think she was looking for the most amount of distance, but she was looking to you know hit hit in in infield and the ball trickle out. And I think she just overcooked it a bit, and it just went straight out. Oh, it so no matter like how far she kicks it downfield, it comes back to the five meter line. If it goes straight out, yes. Oh. But it's a it's a drop goal though. Yeah, drop out. Drop kick. Yeah. Drop kick, yeah. So it wasn't a straight out punt then, because she would have dropped it in. Yeah, that doesn't matter. As soon as it, you know, touches the floor and then she makes contact with it, that's the kick. And ah. it went straight out from that point. So she was hoping to keep it in the tram lines. Yes, yes. Ah, she was going okay. through this amount of distance, but just overcooked it a little bit and it went straight out. So cool. yeah, but interesting to see these new laws uh, being implemented. Are we assuming then that Katie Powell is still coming back from injury and she wasn't available today at fullback? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm presuming so. Although, you know, I'm I'm quite excited to see Jasmine Joyce at fullback. I know, you know, she's not exactly renowned for her kicking because she doesn't need to. She's going to run for it. I think you could see she was still very much learning her positioning, but I think that's, a, that's an exciting opportunity for her to be able to receive the ball in that much space. And, you know, I've got to be honest, out of all of the players on the team, I would put my house on her making that last-ditch tackle. She's so solid defensively. So, yeah, it could be an interesting progression for her to play. Is this the same house you've been building for the last 20 years? (laughs) (laughs) If anybody doesn't know, Philippa Wilkins building the same house the entire time I've known her. And we still haven't had a housewoman. Ah, yes. Well, the thing is, I keep moving. So since I've known you, I've probably moved four times, but this one is nearly done and you will be invited around, I promise. Thank you, man. Pod on tour. Pod on tour. <laughs> so we do have uh, an, an exciting little guest on next. Gemma, do you want to introduce? Yes, thank you for the formal introduction. Gemma here. <laughs> so... Uh, we wanted to celebrate Cardiff Demons' win and celebrate rugby league in its own right. But we are Union Girls and we also wanted to know more about how uh, the Union Girls that have gone across to rugby league are going to fit it all together. And, you know, the likes of Laurie Norke, Charlie Mundy, Fionn Lewis, Shawnee Davis, and so many more. We want to understand what their journey has been. And so we asked Laurie Norke to come in and chat to us. Bear in mind, we recorded this on Monday. So she is a little bit hungover because they won the final on Sunday so um and through the magic of editing we're going to press play or something like that because Phil unfortunately couldn't join us he was jet setting across the globe as usual so this is a recording of our interview on Monday well congratulations thank you you still buzzing yeah yeah I didn't think we were going to win I generally thought we were losing and then Fionn scored in the last 10 seconds I think it was yeah, I saw I saw the clip on uh, Instagram of the last try. I yeah. hadn't actually realised it was the last play because it was the last. It was the fifth or sixth one, uh, play as well, was it? Yeah, fifth or sixth. Yeah, fifth, I think. And um, that was the only time that we went ahead in the last ten seconds of the game. It was nuts. I was following on on Twitter and I was like refreshing, refreshing, and then bam, this this try came, and it's like, wow, oh my gosh, we got it because it just looked yeah. like it wasn't coming there. It was just, it was, I'm feeling it today. It was really tough. They're, they're very physical girls, like. Was it the most competitive game you've had? Yeah, massively, yeah. Obviously, the England game was another level, but that was, it was the toughest one, yeah. I, they marked you out of the game? Yeah, they did. I had um, I had three or four on me every time. They, they, they had game, the game plan was really to... To just man on me all the time, and I got absolutely crucified by four at one point. But yeah, it was good though because it, it, it did open up space to the other side, then the right side. So it, it was. I was say, it's not yeah. like you. You usually would have took them all on, wouldn't you? Huh? Uh, hand off there. <laughs> I did try. So go on and tell us about the transition from union to league. Why did you choose to go over to rugby league, or were you asked? Um, calf. Uh, Salter was playing and she had come along basically was brought into the Welsh development in December the Welsh development squad and then that that went 
that disbanded. I didn't hear really hear anything. So there was no rugby on the horizon. And obviously rugby league was starting back up with Wales and there was open trials. So I just wanted to play rugby really. And I hadn't heard back from Wales. So I just decided to transition to rugby league then and just play the rugby I could. Okay, so you've already mentioned the Welsh Development Squad. So how many of you were involved in that one? Uh, I think there was about uh, 15 girls brought, brought in. And did you have any feedback then? Because you said that it disbanded or came to nothing. What happened? Was it all COVID-related or...? Yeah, so I think because it was in December, we were meant to go back in in January, but because of the COVID, it got worse. And obviously the new cases, and there was that massive, obviously numbers had gone up. They just said it would be put back on on a late date in January. I didn't didn't hear anything back. Me and a couple of the other girls emailed and had nothing back. So, yeah. So So there's lucky then, that rugby league. Uh, came at the right time for you massively I was really struggling really without doing um doing anything or training or because I was doing all the all the training and stuff and then obviously that we didn't I didn't have anything to do so rugby league then just made a massive just helped me get back a little bit of motivation back really it was it was nice to transition as well and it came definitely at the right time so first of all congratulations for being brought up into the to the Welsh squad to train with the girls. So am I getting this right? So you trained through kind of the winter and then as COVID got worse, you would drop by, dropped out of the squad, the training squad when they focused on the Six Nations there. Yeah, so they brought us in in December. I think we had two two sessions and then that was, that finished and then I started rugby league in April time then. So there was a trial at the start of April. So you mentioned that uh, Catherine Salter uh, who also was in the uh, final day squad with you on the weekend, yeah? Yeah. Uh, got you involved or got you interested within the rugby league. But if, for someone completely new and can only follow what you've done on Twitter or Instagram, how would they get to know about these trial days? It was published all over social media. So, and there was a, like an application form you could fill out. So you could request it and you just have to send the manager a bit of details of what you've done in the past. And then and, and everyone that met the criteria or standard was allowed to go and trial then. So it was published absolutely everywhere. I missed, I missed that, did you, Harry's? Yeah, I missed that. What's the manager's name? They missed <laughs> <laughs> she got no signal down west? <laughs> no, we, we still deal with pigeon post, don't you? <laughs> So what's the transition been like? So obviously you've done rugby union for a couple of years now. You've gone from one big transition from netball to union and now you've gone from union to league. Was it difficult to play or? Yeah, just still, I've only just properly learned everything with rugby union. So going back and forth was, uh, was hard and obviously just the rules. I think with sport, when I first joined union, it was more so knowing the game and knowing what to do and how it works whereas now having to then go to a brand new game it has been difficult and that was definitely the hardest part of game with the rules and just transitioning but I've absolutely loved it I've loved the physicality there's a lot more as a hard work work rate in rugby league but I absolutely absolutely love it there and I found that it definitely helped going back to 15s now it's definitely improved my skill set as well so that's been it's it's been really good and definitely transferable skills. So you go back to rugby union now then, is it? And you pick up kind of where you left off with you've gone to Ponaclean, is that right? 
Yeah, gone to Pontecline. I joined a few weeks ago and played. I've played two friendly so far. So yeah, it's been good. Good old Falcon. So disappointingly for you, I guess you had to move from Swansea to Pontecline. I know you've been embraced down there and you're enjoying it, but how big a loss was was Swansea for you? It was it was really upsetting. We a group of us um have tried to keep it tried to keep it alive really over the summer summer course, but it was we had no coach. COVID obviously didn't help in terms of no games and nothing was on the horizon, but it it's just really upsetting considering the numbers we've had and the calibre of players, the fact that it's just just disbanded and all of us girls have played together. Some of the girls that were there have gone through Neath for 10, 15 years as well. So for them, it must have been extremely hard. But also for me, I was there for four years. I started my rugby journey there. Um, it's just it's just as if it was just another thing that had happened on a daily basis. It was really sad. Well, obviously, Pontecline have taken you in now with open arms and you've got a nice little friendship group going on there. But as a personal goal, what is it are you looking forward to now? Is it again to try and break into that Welsh squad? I would um, absolutely love to. There's so much talent out there and it's going to be definitely competitive and the girls are just brilliant in Wales in my position. But if I'm good enough and that's something I can aim for, that is something I'd love to do. But I'm just enjoying, just really enjoying my rugby at the moment. Pontecline have been absolutely fab and Lisa, um, the coach, is just... So much respect for her. She's definitely got a lot of knowledge and she's going to put me in the right direction, but absolutely loving it. Cool. Obviously, we spoke to Lisa in uh, episode two. Yeah, things are going well down upon a clean, but I can't help but feel, right? Like somebody like you who's on the kind of peripheral of the Welsh, well, then there's many of you have all just kind of been dropped now. You've got nowhere to go in terms of union because we don't make that, that Six Nations squad. There's nothing else, right? So you've gone over and rightly so, got a lot of game time and got to represent your country and win a league in rugby league. So I think that's awesome. But from a union perspective, it's really frustrating, isn't it? That if you don't make that squad, you've got nowhere else to go. Whereas... Laurie and myself were lucky enough there was a development squad there was under 20s and you could still be involved in union you know you just mentioned Lisa I can't help but think can you imagine the likes of Lisa and Tails coaching a development squad or coaching an under 20 squad and keeping that talent not that I say you shouldn't be playing league but keeping that talent you know in the union game and keeping them together and keeping them uh, training and developing regularly you know I don't know. Do you feel like that's something like I know, Laura, you've never had it, but would you benefit from something like that? I think it's definitely something that we need to invest in in the girls' game. I think there's so much talent in Wales and it just needs to be recognised, I think. And I understand, obviously, with the COVID situation has been extremely hard and enabled, they only had restrictions and letting people into the Vale and so-so in terms of testing and stuff. But I think for the young girls coming through and under 20s would be so beneficial and in terms of them breaking into the senior squad in the upcoming years, also development as well. There's If there's injuries, um, just seeing who the girls aren't yet ready for the international stage, just to sort of get them on the right path and to see, see what they can do and get ready to make the next step. I just think it's crucial in the in the game, especially for the younger girls coming through as well. Do you think um, rugby league is going to be a threat to the union or do you think there's room for both of them within Wales now? 
to be fair, rugby league are very accommodating in terms of Fionn Lewis is, is doing both and uh, Rugby League have accom- said that they'll be accommodating and they'll do everything and they can they can to help us and to facil- facilitate us. So we're, we've got a camp, um, a Welsh camp at league on Sunday and our coach Tom Brindle has been having conversations and is willing to sort of let us leave an hour early to go and play, play a game in the fifth, with 15s and he doesn't have to do that. But we're lucky enough to have coaches that will facilitate the best, best of both worlds, but I think obviously when season when the season properly starts, league it will be hard to play both. But we've got internationals coming up now in October against Ireland, so obviously we'll have to have a break from Union. I think for a week or so, but I'm hoping that they can both be managed, and we I can I can play both. But I can see in terms of the game is growing in league, so I do think a lot of Girls are looking to go into league now and to sort of, sort of step into step into that transition. You can't blame them though, can you? Because they got an opportunity to play for Wales. Exactly same reason why you went over. Yeah, and there's obviously a community game at the moment with leagues. You've got your Ram from the Outlaws. You've got your Cardiff. You've got your Tigers team, and then you've got Demons, which is the next step up, which is sort of compared to like regional. And then you've got the Welsh, then the Welsh internationals. So we've had some some young girls, seven, two seventeen-year-olds now, are going to break into the Welsh squad, and they're very talented. So it is good, and it is identical talent with the country. So, so what you say? Yeah. So what you see in a league have managed a pathway in one year, what the WRU couldn't do in ten. Um, well, you don't have to answer in that. A word, in a word, yes. <laughs> yes. Did you play for the Ospreys as well? Yeah, I love regional rugby. Absolutely love regional rugby. And that was really good. I remember we were training three times a week and then we had a game on the weekend and it just really, the programme was, was amazing. And I think that developed girls' skill sets, game. And then I think that was also a real chance to see the talent in Wales over like four games. So I think it really offered um, the chance for girls to be recognised within the country. Mm. So rumour is uh, regions won't start again now till 23. How do you feel about that? It's really sad. I um, I just think it needs, they need to go ahead. They need, they need to happen for girls to get a chance to be seen. And also for coming away from club level and play against the girls, the best girls in their region as well. I think it gives them a chance to... Um, to perform and also get get quality coaching at a higher standard because obviously you go from club rugby to regional and then international. So I think it's just another step in the right direction. And it also gives um, coaches to see the girls that are out there as well. And for the youngsters coming through from the under-18s, a lot of them will now, after COVID, be breaking through that age age gap. So I um, I hope it does happen again because... It was a really amazing programme and I definitely think it put Welsh Welsh rugby at high and I think it definitely showed what sort of girls are out there at their performances. I, th- I guess that's what Rugby League has been able to do now for you as a set you up as a platform really to get your name out there and the likes of Fionn Lewis who we already know was on the circuit anyway. But even the captain who uh, unfortunately did suffer an injury, Shawnee Davis, is it? Yeah, uh, missed out in the final, but it is players who have been playing in Wales have been able to use this rugby league platform now to to get their name out there, isn't it? Do you think that is going to um, help towards maybe future selection? 
um, I think it's given an opportunity to 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 show more about you and the way you play. For example, Shawnee Davis, I, she's always been an incredible player, but I don't think she's ever had the recognition she deserves in terms of what she can do. I remember when we used to play her years ago, she would just always be that player you did not want to have ta be tackled by, or she just offered so much in terms of her kicking ability. Her skill set is, is amazing. So I definitely think that the publicity she had and the recognition, she should have been called into the Welsh team this year, but unfortunately she's suffered this injury. But I think she definitely, from all the coverage she had, I think definitely they would have to have a look at her because she's honestly amazing. Same with Fionn Lewis. Um, she suffered an injury, so she's been in and out. But she performed exceptionally yesterday. And I think it definitely gives gives her the opportunity to be seen and show what she can do. So it has been good in terms of that being recognised and the coverage that's been shown off Rugby League. Laurie, let me put that back to Laurie. Do you think it's been enough? Because like the likes of Shawnee, like I've known how talented Shawnee is for years. I've you know, played alongside her at the Falcons and, and watched it ever since. Like I know the talent that's there, but unless she was playing in the English Prem, she was never going to get seen, right? Yeah, it's just sad because I know a lot of girls can't give up the time. And ultimately, they, they don't want to go across border to, to play. I can understand the reasoning in terms of this quality players out in England and obviously you're pushing yourself to play against the best but also we need to develop the game in Wales and also have competition in Wales like a lot of the girls um, I'm friends with they just absolutely shattered they have to leave at what street from work and they don't get home till 12 o'clock at night and then they're in work the next day that's not their job it's, it's like working a double life isn't it and I just I just think it's sad I think we need to get the game competitive in Wales again and go from there and the way you just mentioned it doesn't need to happen, right? Because, you know, Wales is small enough. Everyone lived pretty close to some kind of facility like Landarcy or the Vale or, you know, Cardiff Farms Park and all these places that are fully kitted up, got all the resources. Like somebody like yourself. And like, I remember when that story came out about Karen, how she, much she had to travel. And she lives right close to Landarcy. Why can't she just have access to that in it and just train there, do all her fitness there and, and be coached and um, how can, you know, those conditioning coaches that are, you know, when they're not training the men, what are they doing? Sitting around, I don't know. I'm making yeah. an assumption, of course. But why can't the girls have access to that? How much would that bring everybody on? Um, slightly off topic, obviously, and, you know, we haven't got the answers, but, you know, it is frustrating. We're only on episode three, and we've already <laughs> spoken about the quality players Wales have, and they are top in the lists over in the English Prem of top try scorers or top tacklers or top performers. And it's our war talent and we're letting it go to England. It is. And I think obviously the regional programmes that were set up, I think it shows that we can run them sort of programmes in Wales as well for club level. So I think it's sad. And like like you said about Karen, she she's got a kid, she's got everything at home as well. And it'd just be amazing for these girls to be able to come back to Wales and have like have their rugby journey facilitated to the level that needs to be in Wales so they can stay at home and they don't have to get home at 12 o'clock at night, to be honest. Yeah. So hopefully we can get it up and running again in the next few years. I think we can. There's definitely appetite from the unions. Uh, we know that's a fact. The unions have come out and said, we, we're uh, not the union, sorry, the regions have said, we're happy to run a women's section. We want to run a women's section. It's just, you know... The powers that be need to pull their, their thumbs out. I won't say more on that just now. So 
we've ambushed your call, Lori, to talk <laughs> to talk about the regions and everything. But you know, tell us just finally, um, you know, what your ambitions in league and union are. Do they coexist for you? Yeah, so in league, I'm really looking forward to playing Ireland now in October. That would be a really good test test for us is we played England back in June and as as you know we got got thumped but we learned a lot and that was our first that was our first ever rugby game properly so we'd, I'd only ever played one community rugby rugby league game and then to get to thrown in against England was was tough but learned a lot and I think we've definitely grown from it and having the demons program now has developed us all as players and just learning the game more so I really really excited to see what we can do against Ireland in October and then 15s wise Ponticlean I'm really enjoying being coached by Lisa and the talent the girls around me at the moment there's so much competition in the back so it's really it's really positive being able to go training on a on a Thursday and have so many players around you and pushing you so I'm just going to see where it takes me with 15s but I'm excited is it, is it true you switch positions yes I'm in the centre now yeah. crash ball crash ball yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned Ireland. Do you know any details of uh, what time it'll be, where it'll be played? I think it's set to be in Colwyn Bay. Road trip, blows. Road trip. <laughs> oh, gosh. Any Instagram handles you want to plug? The, the Demon page covers and also the Welsh Rugby League Instagram as well. That's where everything, they publicise everything. So that's pre- they're pretty good at getting everything out on there. Well, you have your own like media comms team dedicated yeah. to the women's. Yeah, so uh, Ian Golden, he does all the publicity and deals with all that side of things. So it's really good, really good. Laurie, massive congratulations. It must have been a hell of a year for you to get your first Welsh cap and then win a league final yesterday. We know that you're hanging today. (laughs) Thank you so much (laughs) for your hangover to spend time with us. Uh, Yeah, no, thank you so much for joining us and uh, all the best uh, in the future with both league and union. And yeah. as soon as this pod goes on tour, you can expect to see us on the sideline cheering <laughs> yeah. you on. Okay, so Laurie, it is the my favourite time of the pod. Hopefully, if it doesn't include me this time, have you got a what goes on tour now comes on the pod? I do. So without it, it can't be a talk oh. tour without the intro. So jingle, jingle, jingle. I've had a message from a certain Mr. Jones. He's a big fan of the pod and he says he hopes nice forevermore. But it is one from back in the day of his playing days when he was with a very renowned West Wales club down my neck of the woods anyway. And I'll just jump to it. So they went on an under-16s tour to Ireland when the second rows actually had beards. So they went off. Uh, to the local off-licence and got loads of beer to drink in the hotel rooms. Four-star golf club, very nice. That was included in his his, uh, tour story. While the adults were drinking at the bar, us juniors run riot up the corridors of the hotel playing bulldogs. Very famous game. Then after a few telling-offs and security threats, we went to lights out. One of the boys was so, I'll change the word, intoxicated, He went to dive on his bed, like a starfish dive, twin room, and missed the bed and smashed his head on the table, separating the bed. Knocked out and 20 stitches later, he came back from hospital. 
in another room, one of the boys, I'll change the words again, needed to relieve himself. And, but this took the double wardrobe as a bathroom. Oh, oh, why do boys do that? You hear that yeah, a lot. Yeah, I've heard this a lot. Then, you know, it gets better. The, the story under there. You mistook the double wardrobe as a bathroom, opened the doors, mistook his roommate's suitcase for a toilet, oh. lifted <laughs> and sat all over his roommate's clean and nice clothes, did the deed and went back to bed. <laughs> Next day, no one could work out where, you know, some smell was coming from. Oh. Uh, anyway, oh. tour story cut short. The under 16s tour were um, sent home early. Uh, <laughs> Telling off at breakfast, more or less, all the team ran outside and spilled everywhere in front of all the uh, semi pro golfers. Wow. What Don't tell me you've never done that, Phil. He's ended. <laughs> He's ended the story then with hashtag times. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. Love it. There's actually a lot of similarity. I've been on tour with Ponyclean Falcons and the first part of that story is very reminiscent of a time we had in Belfast. But that's a Tory story for another pod. Yeah, so that is... What goes on tour comes on the pod. Jingle, 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 jingle. So great stuff that the English Premiership has started today and the Welsh rugby kicks off tomorrow and there's lots of energy around social about the community game mm. coming back so there's some big games to see tomorrow and are you going to go see any Phil? Yes actually I'm really lucky I, I don't live too far from Landuff uh, playing field so I'm going to go and see Ponty Clean vs Landuff RFC so that should be a really good game they're, they you know they're quite um uh, quite equal in a way, but it'll be interesting to see when Lisa said about the fact that they've gained a lot of players from Swansea, mm. how much that's going to bolster them. And hey, Raf Taylor in the back row, got to see that for myself. So yeah, I'm going to be heading down there. So review that next week on the pot. Yeah, so we're looking well, forward to that. Hunter Clean. Ah. <gasps> I'm neutral, <laughs> always neutral. <laughs> I'm hoping to get to watch Stanford's game. Um, depends on how, how much work I've got on, but I'm hoping I can get away and go and see Lantwith play. And, you know, we heard their good news story in pod one. So follow mm -hmm. up on that. Lush. Yeah. Lo, you doing anything or? <laughs> I had plans to go and see um, Lampeter and Tumble. But unfortunately, we've had our first cancellation of the season. Oh, no. Mm. Tell you us what happened, Lo. I think Tumble uh, boasts the nice quite a large squad but a lot of them are you know st uh, NHS staff workers and they've got you know young families and stuff so the availability for this weekend wasn't great so okay. much disappointment I'm sure they'll rearrange or whatever and we'll get to see that game at some point right time for a good news story I think let's hear it Phil It is time for a jingle. Um, yeah, sure. Give sure. me one. 
Okay. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. So my good news, positive vibe story of the week goes out to Ogre Hawks, which are a female hub. Okay. And I went along to one of their training sessions last year. Fantastic setup. Uh, actually, when I mentioned the um, coaching for cancer, I went to their club and did a session with them and they raised just in one evening about 300 quid. Right. I got to stop. Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> put me ogre hawks. Oh God, do I? What yeah. did I say? Ogre. 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 <laughs> Christ, thanks. Is it just because you're slightly posher than us, Phil? What is it? Ogre. Well, it's Welsh for Ogmore, isn't it? Ogur. Is it? I have no idea. So what what should I be saying? Ogur. Ogur. I can't even say it right. Ogur. 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 Or you just say Ogmore Hawk. Ogur for Ogmore. It's the same thing. Ogmore Hawk. It's like Cumbrian Wales, isn't it? Right, let's start that again. Oh, okay, I just keep oh. going. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, just brilliant. inadvertently find another way to put me in a bus. Lush. <laughs> okay. So. so don't worry about that. Oh, right. She tried, listeners. She tried, bless she her. She did try. She always tries. She's a trier. Yeah. So tell us more about uh, Ogre Hawks. <laughs> so obviously... Uh, COVID hit them like many teams very, very hard, but they've managed to get up and running. But what I'm loving about this fact is, you know how we learned from Helen that a hub does not sense it essentially mean it is a club. It just means that you're engaging girls. Well, this hub has become a club. They have entered a 15s and an 18 team into the league. And they've also got a touch rugby team for the mums. So really good news story there. We are seeing how that initial engagement is actually transferring through to players playing rugby. So fantastic news there. So well done to... Ogre. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. The continuity of keeping them together and then get them some regular game time. We love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that is episode three done and dusted. Thank you so much again for tuning in. Please, please get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, or email. And we'll air them on the pod next week. Thank you so much. Yeah, please do get in touch. Remember on Instagram, it is Back the Girls Podcast. On Twitter, it is Back the Girls Pod. And just because we love to keep it simple on email, it is backthegirls.pod at hotmail.com. Thank you. Bye. 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 Love you. Bye. 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 Bye.